we are starting this new little series in the book of 2 Peter. If you don't know where 2 Peter is, it's right after 1 Peter. By the way, that is an old preacher joke that works every time it's used. So if you ever get up here, try it. We've called it Thrive. How do you thrive in the midst of difficulty? Obviously, 2020 was hard. Uh, 2021 is getting off with quite the interesting bang, right? But how can we thrive? And what you've got to understand is that God has made a way so that each of us in him can thrive no matter what the circumstances. No matter what point you're, you're born in history, no matter what country you live in, you can blossom in, no matter what comes as you lean into Jesus. And that's really what Second Peter is about because Peter is writing at a very dark time uh, in, in history. As best we understand, this is probably toward the end of Nero's reign. Nero, if, you, if you're not familiar with him, he did not like Christians. In fact, he ended up burning down Rome and blaming the Christians. Uh, there was a lot of persecution that went on, not only there in Rome, but across the empire. People wouldn't, you know, buy from Christians. They wouldn't sell to Christians, um, one of the things that Nero liked to do kind of for sport is he would take Christians and he would put them in animal skins, let them out into the Colosseum, and then the wild dogs or the lions as sport and spectator. Uh, he had these hanging gardens in Romans and I've, uh, in Rome, and, and I've read uh, two ways. One, he would either roll the, the Christians in pitch, or he would douse their clothes in wax, but basically what he would do is he would light them as a human torch alive to light his gardens. Now, I'm looking forward to getting to heaven, but that's not necessarily the way I'd like to go, right? And so in the midst of all of this persecution, all of this difficulty, Peter is writing to encourage these people that they can thrive, that they can grow, that they can blossom, that they can become all that God wants them to be. And, uh, and so that's what we want to look at in, in the midst of, uh, of this passage. Now, I've entitled today's sermon, Spiritual Abundance. It's taken from verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. If you have the NIV, it actually says grace and peace in abundance. I love the idea of that. Here's the problem. In the church of 2020 in America, or 2021, or wherever we are in this, the moment that you start using the word abundance, you get this idea of prosperity. For there's a whole group of kind of faction of Christians out there that has this idea that, that God's blessing upon people is, is gold and silver and houses and stuff. And, and so they, they, they preach and they teach and they, 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 they make a whole theology out of this that God wants you to have abundance, right? God wants you to have abundance, and I would argue that if anybody understood that silver and gold don't mean a whole lot, it was Jesus. He understands how short this life is. He's the one who told us, don't lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. Lay up for 
on earth. That's what we live for. And so I'm always hesitant to use this word, but it is so true on a spiritual sense of what God has provided for us that I thought, man, I, I want to I use it. I want to I give you two basic ideas that to me are foundational uh, to what we're going to talk about today. Number one, to be able to thrive in the midst of difficulty, it begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything is, is in, in a sense rooted in that. So if you're here today and you've not come to that point of putting your faith and trust in Christ, can I just tell you, I can already begin. You, you want to thrive. You're not going to do it till you come to do that. You come to meet him as your savior. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. I came to give life and to give it abundantly. And again, the abundance there was not in the things, but the abundance is the fact that we were made to reflect the image of our God. That's what we were made to do. And our relationship with him was broken when we sinned and when we rebelled. So Jesus came to die on the cross to pay for our sins so that we can now become image bearers again. And in our relationship with him and bearing his image, we are now aligned with what we were created to do. And that's where you find significance and security and satisfaction and peace and grace and all of that. So it begins, it begins with knowing Jesus. So if you don't know him, that's where it starts. Number two, if you do know him, then all that you and I need to be able to thrive, to be able to walk through difficult times and coming out of it the the other end, a better person, the better you, more like Jesus, God has already provided for you. He's already given it to you. It's not stuff you have to attain. It's not stuff you have to work for. It's not stuff that you have to go, you know, figure out. No, he's already provided. It really just becomes a question of how do you appropriate it. Ephesians 1.3 puts it like this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Past tense, done. Has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Do you know that every point of peace, every point of, uh, of grace, we're, those are what we're going to talk about today. Wisdom, strength, development, love. God's already provided it for you. In fact, let's read the text together. 2 Peter 1, first three verses. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus, Christ, Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. So Peter is writing to these believers who are facing persecution, who are going through difficult times, who are struggling with life. And he starts with this idea of grace and peace to you in abundance. Grace and peace to you multiplied. 
In the midst of all that you're going through, all that God has for you, all that you need is there, is provided. Now, when we think about grace, and probably the best definition that we use is this idea of unmerited favor, right? That we have God's favor. Uh, One of the Bible... um, Commentators gave this definition. I like that. That which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness. I mean, all that, all that we need in order to grow, to develop, to blossom, God has already provided. So the grace for you to be able to face what you're facing today and the grace that you will need tomorrow to face what comes tomorrow, God has already provided it to you. It is yours. He has blessed us with this. The grace to be able to walk through these uncertain times and instead of getting bitter, of allowing it to be worked by the Holy Spirit in your heart to soften you so that you become more like Christ. Grace. Grace. In fact, if you look back in 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter says this to these believers who are hurting. He says, after you've suffered a while, now, oh, by the way, that's, <laughs> that's not one where you say, hey, where do I sign up for that, right? But these people were suffering. These people were going through difficult times. And his point is this, after you've suffered a while, yeah, it's going to come. The God of all grace, the, the God of all favor, the God of, he, he's at work in the midst of this. The one who called you, this is what he's going to do. He himself is going to perfect. He's maturing you. He's going to confirm, to strengthen, to establish. That's, that's the beauty of what God does. Is God is able to take even the most difficult circumstances in our life and use them in our lives to make us more like Christ. To make us sweeter. To make us more kind. To make us more compassionate grace be multiplied to you. Second word he uses there is peace. Live with abundant peace. Man, we are in a short supply of peace today, aren't we? I mean, there is so much anxiety out there. There is so much worry and concern. What's going to happen? And yet, what he says is peace be multiplied. Abundant peace. Uh, you know, the interesting thing about peace is you kind of put your finger on it. Does peace mean the absence of, uh, of stressors? And the answer is no, because that's just, life doesn't do that. I, I remember the story being told of a man who uh, was an artist. It's kind of how his mind worked. And he was trying to figure out what would be the best picture of peace. And he thought, well, the best way would get as many people collaborating on this as possible. And so he, he raised some money to put together a prize for all the local artists to, to put together a picture, a painting, a drawing, something that would best show peace. So the day came when they were finally able to come and reveal their, their pieces of art and and of course there's lots of meadows and still you know little lakes and sunsets and all of that type of thing but it was interesting the piece that actually won was 
completely different than that. Uh, in fact, it really didn't seem like a very peaceful scene. It was, uh, it was a, a waterfall with the water, the white water, coming down, bubbling and splashing over the rocks. You could almost feel the chill in the air. And, and the, the piece of the sky that you could pick up was not blue and sunshiny. It was kind of gray and stormy and clouds that were there. And growing out of one of the rocks down at the, by the pool of the waterfall as the white water is all around it is a little haggard evergreen tree that was just holding on by its last roots. But there nestled in one of the gnarly branches was a, was a nest with a bird with her wings over her baby and her eyes closed. And you go, peace. It's that inner quality of of, of contentment, of rest, even when everything around us is, is in turmoil. And you think of Jesus as he's going to the cross. What was it that he promised to, to his disciples? Wasn't it peace? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I do give to you. So don't let your heart be troubled. Man, he's going to go to the cross. The next 24 hours for them is going to be the worst experience of their entire life. Peace. In fact, he takes them out of the upper room and he heads them towards the Garden of Gethsemane. And by the time he gets there, he repeats it one more time. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. The world, you're going to have tribulation. Ah, but you can be of good courage. You can be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. There's peace. Folk, there's peace today. God has made grace and peace be multiplied. Yours in abundance. Then notice verse 3. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Has granted. In the Greek it's the passive perfect participle. How's that for a Greek lesson today, right? What it means is it's done, has granted, it's yours. It's finished. It has continuing effect, but it's already done. It's not something that you have to go look for today. All that pertains to life and godliness has been given to the children of God. Just like he says in Ephesians 1.3, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. It's ours. Jesus gave us everything we need to thrive in this life. To walk through difficult times and instead of becoming cynical and become, instead of becoming angry, to, to become sweeter, to become people of compassion. To become more like Jesus. He has granted to us everything that pertains to life and godliness. You need peace? You know Jesus? He's got peace for you today. You need grace? You need strength? You need wisdom? You want to be a better witness? You want to be a better spouse? You want to be a better parent? Man, he, he's already provided. It's ours in the midst of 
so he, he has already granted to us. And, and let me put it in the context of salvation. Just like Jesus has already provided for his children all that comes with salvation, right? Forgiveness, redemption, acceptance, love, all of that. A home in heaven has already been provided, right? It's all his work. Don't we sing about that? Jesus paid it all, right? So I don't do any of it. It's what Jesus did. Well, in the same way, once we come to believe that and to know him and to be his child, what you've got to understand is that he's also granted to you everything for sanctification. Everything that I need in this life to be able to thrive, even in the midst of difficult times. Every point of strength, every point of grace, every point of wisdom, he's already provided it for me. So then the question becomes, well, then why am I struggling so much today, right? If that's the case, then why am I struggling with this sense of peace? Why, why am I struggling with, with this point of sin that I, I, I wrestled with, but I want to overcome it, but it's just there and I can't seem to get over it? And this is such an important key. How do we appropriate it? You appropriate what he has provided by leaning into Jesus fully. He mentioned it. We, we kind of read over it. But did you see in verse 2? Grace and peace be multiplied to you in, in what? The knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through. Through what? Through the true knowledge of him who called you by his own glory. Everything that you and I need to thrive in this life. To thrive even in the midst of difficulty. It belongs in Jesus. As we will lean into him. Now the question is, well, what does it mean to lean into Jesus? Well, notice the word it used twice. Knowledge. The source of all that we need is in Jesus. So how do we appropriate it? How do we make it be ours in this life? Well, it's through knowledge. There's two aspects to knowledge. One is kind of that head knowledge. It's, it's knowing truth. And so one of the ways that we lean into Jesus is through his word. This is where we learn how Jesus acts and reacts and how he wants us to be. And so to be in his word, to fill our minds with, with, with the knowledge of God... And what he does is he takes that word and he uses it to convict us and to show us. I, I love 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, but we all with unveiled face. And if you're not familiar with this passage, he's been talking about how the God of this age has, has blinded the minds of those who are lost. And No, no, no. You know Jesus. You can see. Your face is unveiled. Beholding is in a mirror the glory of the Lord. See, the reality is today, you and I don't get to see Jesus face to face, right? That day's going to come, right? Remember what John tells us on that day? We will see him and we will be like him. For we will see him as he is. That day's coming. But today, we behold him through his word as through a mirror. But notice what it says. And we are being 
transformed into that same image from glory to glory. You see, so as I come to God to lean into Jesus, to meet him in his word, and I read his word and I study his word, then what the Holy Spirit is using this in my life. And so now as I'm walking through and, and difficult stuff comes and I feel my life getting you know, into that sense of turmoil and I'm getting frustrated and now I'm hearing the Holy Spirit whispering to me, Hey, do you trust me or don't you? Oh, right? Conviction. No, I, I, I need to trust you. It's changing us. It's making us better. And that's why when we walk through difficult times, when we've leaned into Jesus, we get on this side and we look back and we go, man, I would never choose to walk that, that path again. But I'm so glad I did because I'm a different person today than I was back then. Because as I leaned into Jesus, he was doing that process of making me more and more like him. So let me ask you, 2021, we have no idea how, how this year is going to go. What, what are you doing to specifically and intentionally lean in to his word? What, what, what disciplines have you set into your life of saying, hey, you know what? This year, 2021, I want to read through the Bible. For some of you, that may seem too big. And So what about, what about this year? Would you take 10 minutes a day? Just 10 minutes a day, that gets you through usually about a chapter. Start in the New Testament, start in the Gospels. And, and just 10 minutes a day to read, to, to lean into Jesus, to see what it is that he wants to say and speak to your heart. What about getting a part of a Bible study or a connect group? You know, I always hear people, you know, man, life's so busy, I don't know. Hey, you got to be intentional. Why? Because we've got to grow in our knowledge of the Lord through his word. But that's not the only way you grow. In fact, the truth is, if all you do is grow in knowledge, you can become hard, you can become intellectual, but not necessarily thrive. There's a second way that you have to grow in your knowledge of the Lord, and that's, that's experientially. That means, you know, the shoe leather piece here. That means is, you know, we, we walk through life and stuff happens. And difficulty comes and all of a sudden, you know, my, my heart, I'm not feeling peace. The question is, well, why am I not feeling peace? He said, peace to me be abundant. So something's going on here. And so as I think about it, I realize that I'm holding on to these things. I'm not trusting the Lord. First Peter 5 comes to mind and he says, cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. So what I need to do, man, I need to lay these at Jesus' feet. This is the experiential peace. And I act on what I know in the word of God to be true. And, and if you've ever gone through that process, for me, I like to, when I get points of tension, uh, I, I like to go walk. As I walk, talk to the Lord and lay those things. And I tell you, if you've ever done that, you experience that peace that comes in. What, what, about, what about that point of, of, of maybe temptation that you struggle with. Well, Paul tells us, no temptation is overtaking you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, not allow you to be tempted above what you're able, and will with the temptation make a way of escape. 
And so that temptation comes. And, and so now the shoe letter piece, because I am tempted. And, uh, so what am I going to do? Am I going to take the way of escape? Am I going to rather stand over here and try to protect myself and my reputation and don't let anybody know? Or am I going to look for that way of escape, which maybe mean to get some other people involved in my life that I'm struggling with this and let them pray and encourage and hold me some accountability here? What am I going to do? In fact, the reality is if I had to, to really just narrow this down to the simplest idea I can give you is this. You want to thrive in life? It starts with knowing Jesus. And then it means to follow him with your whole heart. Jesus has to be the number one and greatest priority of your life. And to be honest with you, I think that's why most Christians struggle to thrive in the midst of difficulty. You see, it's not that Jesus isn't important to us. He is. He's just one of many important things in our life. You know, we wouldn't necessarily be weekend Christians, but, you know, this is probably the time that we do spend most of our time with him. Well, you know, you read the Bible, and a couple things are really clear. Number one, Jesus doesn't play second fiddle to anybody, remember? He has a top ten list. Number one is you are another God before me. Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? You love the Lord your God. He's got to be number one. So you make Jesus number one in your life, and you lean into him, and hey, my number one priority in life is I'm going to become more like Christ, and I'm going to get to know him, I'm going to follow him. And then as you grow in your knowledge, both intellectually and then experientially, was he takes you through difficult times. You'll grow more like Jesus. He'll soften your heart. He'll make you the better witness. He'll make you the better spouse. He'll make you the better parent. Because that's exactly what he does. Where I get into trouble is when he's not my number one priority. My number one priority is me and what I want to do. And, and, and it's these other things. And, and what Peter's trying to say is, listen, life can be tough. Persecution, eh, they'll come. But you can know all the grace, all the peace, everything that pertains to life and godliness so that you can thrive and blossom and become the best person God designed you to be as you lean into Jesus with your whole heart.